Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for opportunity to think about your word now. We pray that as we do, that you help us to understand what it says. We pray that we would believe and obey. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every year on my birthday, my mum says the same thing. Every year she says, I don't know why the child gets all the attention at a birthday. The child didn't do anything. My mum says, I reckon on birthdays, the mum should get all the attention. After all, she's the one who did all the work. She's the one who had all the pain. The child did nothing. So, this Christmas, in honour of my mum, we're going to think about Jesus' mum. From one Jewish mum to another, we're going to think about Mary. We'll think about uh, the Christmas story from the perspective of Mary. Uh, We start off in Luke chapter 1. This scene is called the Annunciation. Uh, The subject of very many famous paintings, including this magnificent one. I'm so cultured, having been to Florence, I have to show you this painting. Uh, It's by Fra Angelico, and you can find it in the convent of San Marco. Something different to that. (laughs) Believe me, it's a beautiful painting by Fra Angelico, a fresco from the San San Marco Monastery. Uh, So God sends his messenger, uh, that is his angel, to a little town a town called Nazareth in Galilee. Now, the thing you you need to know about Nazareth in Galilee is... Oh, there it is. Beautiful. Very significant painting, actually, historically, because it's uh, one of the first ones to use um, kind of three-dimensional perspective. Very, very clever painting. Anyway, I'll I'll leave that alone. Uh, God sends his messenger, his angel, to a little town, a town called Nazareth in Galilee. Now, the thing you need to know about Nazareth in Galilee, thanks, we can switch it off now, is this. There's nothing to know about Nazareth in Galilee. It is nowheresville. It is far away from Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. It's a tiny town out in the sticks. In Nazareth, there's a young girl. Not yet married, a virgin girl. She's pledged or betrothed to be married to a bloke called Joseph. Now, betrothal in those days was a binding contract. could only be broken by divorce. But the couple wouldn't live together. They weren't married yet. They wouldn't have intercourse during the betrothal period. Now, back in those days... Girls were pledged to be married from as early as the age of 12. Mostly they were betrothed by the age of around 14 or 15. So we're talking about a young teenage girl, maybe maybe 14 years old. Joseph, her fiancé, he's from a famous family line, the line of King David. But notice as we read in a moment, we don't hear anything at all about the girl's family line. In terms of family connections, this girl is a nobody. So so picture the scene. The angel Gabriel is sent to this little country town called Nazareth to a young teenage girl, to to a nobody from nowhere. And uh, the angel Gabriel's message is that this girl has been favoured by God. Uh, Literally, she has received grace from God. God has been kind to this nobody from nowhere. God is with this young girl. Have a look at me there, at the first passage on your outline. Can you see the outline that you were given as you came in? On the inside, on the left-hand side, at the top. This is from Luke chapter 1. I'm sorry, I forgot to put the uh, actual references in there. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Notice his family line, not hers. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. 
As you can imagine, the girl is surprised and scared. She doesn't get visited by angels every day, but the angel comforts her. But then he tells her his very uncomfortable message. He says, you're going to be another teenage pregnancy statistic. Uh, You, that is you singular, there's no mention of Joseph here, you will conceive. No need for a pregnancy test, you're going to conceive. And no need for an ultrasound, it's a boy. You're having a son. And don't look through all the name books. You're to call him Jesus, which means God saves. And this son, Gabriel says, will be incredibly special. He is the son of God, the promised Messiah, the Christ, the eternal king in the line of David. Verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now Mary, of course, is quite rattled by this news, not least because there's no father for this baby. She's a virgin. Literally, she does not know a man, she says. Uh, virgins don't have children. And so Mary asks the angel, please teach me more. Verse 34, how will this be? Mary asks the angel, since I'm a virgin. So the angel explains, God will do the impossible. Jesus will be conceived without sexual intercourse. The Holy Spirit will overshadow her, just as he did at creation, at the beginning of creation. Jesus will be conceived miraculously while Mary is still a virgin. Verse 35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Pretty big thing to take in. But Mary shows herself, this young teenage girl, shows herself to be a humble and godly woman. This is going to be big for her to have a baby out of wedlock. But she is willing to serve God in whatever way God sees fit. Having heard the word of God, she's ready to obey. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Mary hears God's word and believes and obeys. As her cousin Elizabeth puts it, I've just put it there at the the end of the passage in your outline, blessed is she... Who has, who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Now, as you can imagine, this situation would have been quite confusing for her fiancé, for Joseph. Um, when she falls pregnant, Joseph assumes, of course, that she's been sleeping around. But uh, an angel also speaks to him and tells him the story. And so he agrees to marry her, but he doesn't have intercourse with her, the text says, until after the baby has been born. Have a look at the second passage there on your outline. This time it's from Matthew's Gospel. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce divorce her quietly. 
He could have insisted that she be stoned to death, but he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus means, the Lord saves. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him, he gave him the name Jesus. When it's nearly time for Jesus to be born, Joseph and Mary have to head to the famous town of Bethlehem. It's the town where King David was born. Caesar is conducting a census, and that is where Joseph's family line is from. So that's where they have to go. You can imagine what that must have been like for Mary. Uh, heavily pregnant, travelling far away from home, probably on foot, doing the kind of pregnant waddle the whole way, I imagine. Poor thing. Uh, and there in Bethlehem, Jesus is born. Uh, not in a hospital, but in a stable. Again, you can imagine what that would have been like. I mean, I know public hospitals aren't great in New South Wales, but a stable, I mean, it's not exactly a sterile environment, is it? Um, no doctors, no nurses, no monitors to see how the baby is going, no machines that go bing or anything like that, no, no epidural. Uh, this wouldn't have just been uncomfortable. This would have been dead set dangerous and dirty. Next passage there on your outline. From Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. So there is, uh, there's Mary's Christmas story. A teenager from Nazareth, a no one from nowhere, but, but chosen for an amazing task. God chose her to be the mother of Jesus, the eternal son of God. She's a brave girl, wasn't she? Hum humble girl. Willing to serve God no matter what the cost. And the cost would have been great. Seriously, she could have ended up, uh, she could have ended up divorced. She could have ended up possibly even stoned or punished in some way for adultery. She risked spending the rest of her life on her own in shame. But what does she say? I am the Lord's servant. When she heard the word of God, she obeyed. Mary was a brave and faithful servant of God. It's right that we should acknowledge her at Christmas and acknowledge her in general, but, but despite what my mum may say, I actually don't think Mary should be the focus of Christmas. Do you? Maybe for our birthdays, we could shift the focus a bit more onto our mums, but, but not, not for this birthday. The way the story is told, it's clear who should be getting the attention, isn't it? I mean, it's not the teenager from Nazareth. God has deliberately chosen a nobody from nowhere. It's not the teenager from Nazareth, it's the baby who has been born to be the eternal king of the world. The baby who's to be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. 
it's pretty clear as you look at the Christmas story where the focus should be. But unfortunately, over the centuries of church history, some people, and, and I don't blame my mum for this, because it happened a long time before even my mum, but some people have put a lot of focus on Mary. And they've come up with some pretty, pretty wacky ideas. It started quite early in church history. In the early church, people were trying to understand who Jesus is. After much thinking and searching of the scriptures and a number of wars and various other things, they came to the view, correctly, that Jesus is both fully God and fully man at the same time. And in one of the debates, the issue was expressed in a way that involved Mary. Uh, the argument was that Mary is the mother of God. The, the Theotokos was the word that they were debating about. The argument was that Mary is the mother of God. Now, of course, if Jesus is God, which is what the debate was about, then this is true. Mary is the mother of God. But from there, people came up, people came up with all kinds of strange ideas. Now, the emphasis shifted from Mary being the mother of God to, to Mary being the mother of God. Some people said, if Mary is the mother of God, then, then she must herself be sinless. That's the doctrine called the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception, the idea that Mary didn't have any sin. It's contradicted by the Bible. The Bible says that all people have sinned. Now, Jesus is the only exception. Even, even Mary herself calls God her saviour. But some people started to believe she was without sin. Uh, some people, influenced by the philosophy of Neoplatonism to think that sex is itself sinful... Uh, they then started to argue that Mary must never have had sex. She must have stayed a virgin all her life. Uh, this despite the fact that the Bible says she was only a virgin until she gave birth to Jesus. We just read that, didn't we? Joseph had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. Now, the Bible also talks about Jesus having brothers and sisters, so it's clearly a wrong thing to believe. Uh, but there's even more stuff that people say about Mary. Uh, some people said, well... If Mary didn't sin, then she couldn't have died. If she was sinless, then she can't have died. Now, so they invented the idea that she rose bodily to heaven. That's called the doctrine of the assumption of Mary. People also started to say that Mary has special powers. They say that uh, being a Jewish mum, as Jew Jesus' mother, she can tell Jesus to answer our prayers. Like most Jewish mothers, she has a lot of influence over her son. So, so we, should, we should pray to her and, and call on her as a mediator between us and Jesus. When we were in Florence in 2012, my kids went to a convent school for a couple of months, and one of the months we were there was, was called Mary Month. Uh, all the prayers in the chapel were addressed to Mary as mediator between us and God, but it's not true. As my kids took it upon themselves to kindly point out to the nuns day by day, uh, Jesus alone is the mediator between us and God. As it says in the Bible there on your outline, there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. Uh, friends, it's, a, it's actually a terrible tragedy. It's actually a terrible tragedy. To, to so focus on Mary that you lose sight of the one true mediator between God and man. The one man who can save you from your sins and be your eternal king. Uh, Mary was a godly young girl. She was graciously chosen by God for a special task, but she was a sinner just like you and me. She has no special powers, and so we must not divert our attention away from Jesus to her. We must not worship Mary or pray to Mary or anything like that. No, no. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. 
I'll tell you what a better thing to do about Mary is. We should follow her example. Like Mary, we should hear the word of God and obey it. Now, Jesus himself put this beautifully. It happened as he was travelling to Jerusalem on that fateful journey as he headed towards the cross. One woman was so impressed by Jesus that she cried out to him. She said, my loose translation, how lucky your mum is to have such a wonderful Jewish boy as you. But, but look at how Jesus replies. There on your outline. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It's not giving birth to Jesus or nursing Jesus that makes you blessed. It is hearing the word of God and obeying, just like Mary herself did. Can you see? She's a good example for us to follow. We should hear what God says about Jesus and we should obey. You see, Jesus, Mary's baby, he is your king and my king, just like Gabriel told Mary. Uh, Through his death on the cross and his resurrection, he can save you, he can save me from our sins, just like his name says. He can give us eternal life in the kingdom of God. Friends, I recognise that it's a terrible dad joke, but this year can I encourage you to have a Merry Christmas. Have have a merry Christmas. How? By hearing God's word about Jesus and obeying it. Hear that Jesus is your king, just like Gabriel said. His kingdom will never end. And having heard, make him your king. Submit to him as your king. Hear that Jesus came to save you from your sins, that he lived and died and rose again for you so you can be forgiven and accepted as God's person. As the angel said, he will save his people from their sins. And again, having heard, turn away from your sin. Rely yourself on Jesus. Ask Jesus to forgive you and save you. Friends, this Christmas, let's follow Mary's example. Let's hear the word of God and obey it. Rely on Jesus. And have a Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ, our great King and Saviour. We pray this Christmas that we, like Mary, will hear the good news about Jesus and submit ourselves to you as your servants and rely on Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.